0: hello my friends and welcome to the experience our industry podcast. As you know, I am Dr. Brian Greenwood and I am super excited to be here today with a 1996 graduate of our program Kevin Buman. how are you Kevin?
1: I'm doing well good to good to be here. yeah,
0: it's great to be here with you as well. I really appreciate you taking the time um I, I know we're uh we're, we're we're starting to starting to try to get some travel going so i know you're starting to become uh busier and busier kevin is currently the chief commercial officer for the san francisco international airport so um what an exciting time to to be doing what you're doing and we're i'm uh i'm I, i'm really really happy that our, that our our um our Audience is going to get to hear from you. I started thinking to myself, our what, our who, our audience, uh, our listeners are going to get to hear from you. Obviously, it's a, it's a, a, an, a crazy, um, a crazy moment in time. It's it's a it's a moment in time that that we're all experiencing together as a global pandemic, something that none of us have ever experienced, and. Um, to be in a position like you are. I know, I know you're going to have some unique insight for us and um, I'm excited to get there at some point, but, you know, we got to go back in time. We shared that that you and I both are 1996 college graduates. Uh, me, me from uh, the University of Chapel, UNC mm-hmm. uh, Chapel Hill and you from uh, our amazing program at Cal Poly. So let's, um, let's talk a little bit further back. Where, where did you grow up, Kevin?
1: So I, um, I grew up primarily in, in two parts of the country. Uh, I was born in Alaska, and uh, my dad was, was stationed there. He was a pilot in the Air Force, and we did a couple of tours there and then uh, had a brief, very brief time in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, as he was uh, transitioned overseas. And then we moved to California when I was uh, late grammar school, I guess, fourth grade. And uh, and then went through um, middle school, high school in California.
0: Right on. So you've kept it in the family, huh? So you uh, grew up with a dad as a pilot, and uh, and uh, you you've stayed in the industry. I I love it. That's awesome. You followed your dad's footsteps, so to speak. Are you a in, pilot in a yourself? Sense, yeah.
1: Are, 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 I, I are, am a pilot. I and, thought you and were. We'll, thought... we'll be discussing that. That was one of the one of the facets that brought me to where I am today uh, in the the long and winding road of, of my career. But uh, yeah, a family in aviation, I've got two cousins who are commercial pilots, a brother-in-law that's a pilot uh, recreationally. So there's, there's several of us uh, that are aviators.
0: Right on, right on. Awesome. So what were you like growing up? Um, You know, growing up, how long did you live in Alaska? Did you, did you, did
1: we, we, um, the two tours we were there was a combined total of, uh, gosh, eight years, I guess. Um, okay. You know, so I, I I developed an early love for the outdoors. You know, some of my earliest childhood memories were in you know the landscape of Alaska.
0: Right. You know, whether that say, was the
1: yeah. the dark skies and the aurora borealis and the stars, or, or whether it was picking blueberries and watching bears or fishing in the rivers. I mean, we just we we had so many great adventures. So uh, we lived in Fairbanks and really developed a connection with with the outdoors as a, as a young kid nice. and and that certainly has has shaped my entire life um, just right. being in that environment and uh, really kind of growing up in a, a unique place that was very normal it's all I knew at the time but then of course you moved to California and <laughs> it was a different planet uh, climatically and so uh, you know it, it Alaska was a unique place to to be young
0: yeah i bet i mean the 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 magnificence of the nature there um ha- has to has to have an impact on you i would think as a as a young kid and in in connecting yes. you with with that you know um we've done some research and we've we we have some colleagues in in um in, in recreation and parks that that have done some research you know with with kids who grow up in, in these in these concrete environments where where there is no nature or where there's very little nature and, and it does have a a, a meaningful negative impact on them. And you can imagine why. And now you, you flip it and you hear you, you talking, and I've heard many people over the years, you know, talking about growing up in a mountain community or in, um, you know, on the beach, you know, by the beach, Mm -hmm. it has a profound effect on you. And so, um, uh, yeah, I, um, I, I, I love hearing that. Were you into sports? Did you get into sports as you, as you grew up? Uh, I did. uh, Yeah.
1: You know, I, I, um, I had a lot of interests as a kid and, uh, you know, sports was one of them. I was never a a great athlete at anything, but I, I really enjoyed, um, as I got older, more of the solo sports, you know, skiing Mm -hmm. and biking and swimming, um, played tennis, uh, you know, played some team sports when I was younger. Um, but, but always enjoyed being active and and being outdoors. Mm -hmm. But I also, I had a, I had a real passion for for art and and designing things and drawing i love legos Uh, i love building stuff so i I definitely um you know gravitated to the creative space as well and um that that was a, a place i was always happy
0: right I love it. And, you know, I have to apologize. I always say, you know, you know, I'm a sport guy and, um, and I'm always sensitive about that. Cause I always say, I I say to our our guests, what were you into? Were you into sports or arts or drama or whatever? And everyone always says, yeah, sports. And, and, uh, and now the one time I just say sports, you're like, no, well, I was into arts and uh, (laughs) I appreciate that.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And, and, but uh, it's interesting because I think, I think to look back on that, I, I had a lot of interests and, and perhaps that, you know, being interested in a lot of things, um, you know, now as an adult, looking back on that, I think it's, 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 you know, much like a love of the outdoors. It's just Mm -hmm. another core piece of who I am and, and having a curiosity about the world. Right. Right. I love it.
0: So let's talk about, uh, that, that journey to Cal Poly. So, um, so from Alaska, you said you moved to, to California where where are here in California.
1: Yeah. So we lived, uh, North of Sacramento Okay. in a, a town, Yuba city. It's about halfway between Sacramento and Chico. Mm-hmm. And my dad was stationed at, uh, at Beale air force base. That's, that's right. why we were there. Uh, and he ended up finishing his, his career at Beale and in looking at, at opportunities to go to, to college, um, my my initial thought was I wanted to be an architect. And so I looked at, at several schools and it was, you know, whether art or architecture, you know, obviously different in many ways. Um, I applied to a couple schools as an art major and a couple schools as an architecture major. Um Interestingly enough, I, I didn't get into my first choice school, which was Cal Poly's architecture. Right. Um, got into some art schools and and my parents encouraged me to consider other options. So uh, I went to Cuesta for two years. Oh right on. and and spent time at Cuesta, and and those were really, really great years um, to, to get that college experience, the independence, but to also be at a JC and get to explore uh, you know some other avenues. Yeah. And uh, really kind of broaden my horizons a bit. And and still thinking a bit about architecture but but realizing that was going to be that was going to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um you know and, and never loved math. Yeah. <laughs> you know particularly higher math but Right. I I, ha- I have an appreciation for math I mean I, you know right. but uh, you know when it gets into calculus and some of the the more uh, advanced math I I could see that was going to be a challenge for me. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, at Quest, I did a lot of uh, a lot of talking with the counselors there, and the more we talked about things and the assessments and whatnot, they they said, you know, you should really think about at the time RPTA at Cal Poly, and yeah. and you know, uh, it's it, it is not architecture, but here's what it is, and here's what it can be, and the types of opportunities that you can find uh, through this through this degree. No. And the rest is history. I applied uh, as a transfer and, and went into the program and and it's it's been an amazing journey.
0: Right on. Well, um, you know, we shared the 1996, and we also shared the uh, the the calculus. Uh, yeah. No, I I, uh, I went to my fir- I went to the first day. Well, I went to the first day of calculus, and you know, that's just the syllabus. And then the second day of calculus, they went we started right in on calculus and I I start like asking around and I find out I'm the only one in the class that hasn't already taken the class and failed it. (laughs) (laughs) And so they were like, even though they had, you know, even though they had failed it, they were still light years ahead of me. And I was like, this guy's like, starting from a, like a, a place in calculus that I have no idea, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, I, uh, needless to say, I, I found a different route that did not include calculus. So I'm with you. I'm with you there. So your experience, um, in, in, in transferring and, and I, I actually did not realize you were, you were a, uh, a transfer student. We, we have so many transfer students that have been just, uh, superstars over the years. And, you know, I talked to them about, it seems like one of the things that uh is a is a commonality with our transfer students is that they hit the ground running right they feel like they they feel like maybe they're a little bit behind in the opportunities at Cal Poly and so they jump right in um head first into to getting lots of opportunities and getting involved in the major and that sort of thing and and we really encourage that and we we've, we've tried our best to 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 be as um as open as we can and, and as helpful as we can with transfer. So, um, let's talk about that, um, that experience and what it was like your, your, your two years at,
1: at Cal Poly. Sure. So, so Dr. Hendricks was, uh, was new to the department. I was
0: going to say, and,
1: yeah. um, and, and we quickly connected and, and, uh, uh, you know, Dr. Shank was there. There was, there was folks who, who were no longer a part of the program, but, um, but but such a supportive uh, group and, and a, you know, a very family feel, which I, I think has been maintained today and talking to students. And, yeah. you know, it's it's certainly grown in, in both faculty and students since I was there. But it was it was initially a, a very positive experience. And and um, and, and I think that the 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 thing that really immediately struck me was that the. The, the dialogue with so many of, of my professors uh, was was really not about trying to you know say well you got these options or this choice or this this degree is about doing this, this, or this. It was about what do you want to do? What can you imagine in your life that yes. is interesting to you and yeah. and find a way there? And it, it just yeah. seemed so opening in that sense of wow, this this really is more about what's possible than, than what is. And yeah. I, I think that was really encouraging as someone who, you know, didn't have, um, I can't say it, at many points in my life, I've ever had a, an absolutely clear picture of, yeah. this is what I want to be doing, who I want to be. Um, it's It's been an evolution. Yeah. And, and so, uh, even my time at Cal Poly uh, was a bit of that as well, but I, um, outdoor recreation w- was a focus in travel and tourism. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the the world of ecotourism was really starting to develop in the 90s. And so that was very intriguing to me. Right. Um, and I, I certainly had always had a love for travel. And so that those things were starting to align. And then when it came, uh, you know, the, the types of jobs I had when I was a student, I worked for county parks, I was a lifeguard, uh, both at Cayucas and Lopez Lake. Uh, I worked for a bicycle touring company, uh, doing primarily coastal California bike trips from San Francisco to LA, but we would do wine country stuff as well. Uh, so, really enjoyed uh, guiding in the outdoors. I went to Knowles, the National Outdoor Leadership School. Uh, had had envisioned, you know, doing that aspect of, of commercial recreation and travel, Mm -hmm. at least as a first chapter in my career, didn't quite work out that way.
0: Right. Right. Of course. But, um, you know, I love what you said, that, that find your path. And, um, and I, uh, I, I absolutely feel like that's, that's what, what we try to, you know, what, what we try to lead students into, into, into understanding, you know, I, I think, um, you know for me with sport management so many of them come in and think they want to be uh, sport agents right away and that that's um that that's the path to get into sport management it seems like like 75% of the students and and then i i i have to let them understand and, and learn that there's lots of different paths and actually sport agent is not one of the typical ones you know and so sure. um you know I, I think um with experience industry management and and the approach that we've adopted um now with experience design i I think we're i think we're in an even even greater way in enhancing that element of finding your path because it is now so much more broader and there are so many different avenues that you can take under this umbrella and i think that's exciting and um for um for students so let's let's talk about those um uh, post cal Poly years now i know you went back and you got a degree in in aeronautical science well, right
1: so so in finishing cal Poly um I I did an internship with with Costa Rica Connection. Oh right uh, here they were a, a travel company based in town. I worked with backroads for a bit after I graduated and did more uh commercial cycling tours. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then life happens. I, I I met my wife, of you know, almost 24 years and, um, and, and, you know, life happens. And so I had this, this somewhat unexpected twist that, you know, now I'm getting married, I'm in a relationship and, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's interesting when you, you think about your thoughts about a career and a path, I, I think you always have to keep room for life in that. And that you, you have to find balance in that, of course, but at the same time, there's opportunities on all fronts. And, and sometimes things don't happen in the order you may think they would. And you have to be really open to that. Um, And in the sense that you, you, um, you have a, uh, an idea about your career and where that can go. um, you, You have to be open to the possibilities. So um uh, after Cal Poly, I I actually spent um gosh, almost five years um, because my wife was a teacher here in San Luis Obispo, mm-hmm. uh working in, in a couple different realms here. I worked at a, a charter school, Bellevue Santa Fe Charter School, right when it opened. Mm-hmm. I worked for Transitions Mental Health mm-hmm. um, in the Growing Grounds program. And so I had a couple nice. of different jobs that on the one hand may seem just completely unaffiliated with what I do today. Right, but I think what's really interesting is I can still go back to projects, experiences, um, whether they were moments or lessons in those jobs that are just so foundational to yeah. where I went next or what I'm doing now, and the and the skills that that you gain and the way you grow. Um, you know, I think it's important you aren't afraid to try things in a yeah. career because uh, sometimes it's the things you may not think about at that, uh, wow, you know, would, would that be something I'm interested in? Mm-hmm. In some ways you don't know unless you try. Right. And, uh, those, those were great, um, great starting points in a career. And then, uh, in the early two thousands, I did go back, uh, to Embry-Riddle mm-hmm. and was working on a master's degree in aeronautical science. And as I got involved in that program, uh, I ended up getting my first job in airports, uh, mm-hmm. in Tahoe. I was at Truckee Tahoe airport. And I got an entry level position, um, and from there, uh, you know, that was the beginning of my airports career. To now, I've, I've been in the industry over eighteen years, right. and have have had an absolutely fantastic career at, at now my third airport. Um, you know, when I think back to how I've I've charted that career, airports are are unique um, locationally because you, you don't always. <laughs> Have uh, airports in places you might want to live, but I've I've been fortunate, and then I've I've always placed a high value on places I want to live, mm-hmm. um, and and therefore work there, and and that's difficult to do in many industries. But but I've I've been very fortunate to live in some amazing places, work with amazing teams, uh, and and have just a a really great experience uh, on the airport world in, in wonderful parts of California that, um, you know, I, I haven't had to, to leave the state to to do that.
0: Right. Well, let's, um, I want to, I want to touch on a couple of things, you know, um, when you were talking about the various jobs that, that you went through, like growing grounds and, and, and transitions and, and, and others, you know, I think one of the important things to point out there is that what I heard from you is that you had a growth mindset, in those positions. Right. And, um, you know, I, I hear from, I hear sometimes from either young alumni or or students who are struggling and who say, you know, well, I can't find this or I can't find that and I'm having to do this or I'm having to do that. And, um, and one of the things I, I tell them, I say, look, you know, um, a couple of the people I've interviewed over the years, um, uh, two examples that they've given me, as to why they're qualified for jobs that you might not think they were qualified for, is one um, a, a young woman who grew up on a dairy farm and talking about the work ethic of having to of, of having to to live and work on a dairy farm, and two, a kid who talked about um, planning his high school prom from from scratch and all of the various items that went into that and the attention to detail. And this kid was just like getting into the nuts and bolts of it. And I was like, wow, you know, like, that's something that, that those two things don't really like stand out as something that would, would help prepare you for a career in, you know, name that name, that industry. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. But, but when you frame it in the right way, and when you have that growth mindset, that can lead you down a path and, and can help you in moving um, towards, towards you know, what what you maybe you're calling or maybe something that you're more interested in. And so I think it's important. I think it's important for, for young professionals and for students in particular um, to hear, you know, to hear that message. And so I appreciate you sharing that. You know, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is I don't think a lot of people um, our students or, or, or young alumni realize that airports are a lot like campuses, right? Um, where where um, or, or any, mm-hmm. or any mm-hmm. corporation for that matter, that you sure. have lots yeah. of people doing lots of different jobs, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, one of the first jobs you had was community relations and communications with um, mm. uh, there in uh, tr- at Truckee Tahoe. And so can mm-hmm. you, can you speak to that and what the process was for like moving up to, to where you, to where you are now as the chief commercial officer at, at a very, very large international sure. airport?
1: Sure. Yeah. You know, the, the, the transition over to the airports world, um, you know, was, was, was very, uh, interesting because, you know, much like the the opportunities offered in in RPTA, you know, airports offer a a tremendous amount of opportunities, whether you want to specialize in a certain area, uh, you know, around marketing communications, whether you want to environmental planning, operations, um, public relations, I mean, just within the airport sphere. And then you get into all the services and airlines and uh, all the associated uh, businesses on the airport. It gets very broad, very quickly. But, you know, in, in my early roles at the airport there, uh, at a smaller airport and a resort airport, which is a unique entity in and of itself, because we were very seasonal, um, at the time we didn't have scheduled service. So it was all, uh, on demand and general aviation type of flying. We didn't have the, the traditional airlines flying in there. Uh, you know, my, my, my job, my, I had my core responsibilities, um, in in the uh administrative side of the airport but then we would also be called upon to do things like snow removal or hey you know we're gonna have a busy day we're gonna we're gonna be parking airplanes for a few hours out here towing airplanes so i i really enjoyed the um the chance to to get to do some things that right when i had started there for the first six months i was in operations fueling planes and you know plowing and mowing and doing all of the 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 operations and maintenance side of the airport, I got to know the nuts and bolts of the operation, right. and then moving into the business office, you start to to learn the other side of the operation. Um, but the community relations role was interesting because th- that airport has had over the years a uh, at times a challenging relationship with its community from from the impact primarily of noise, mm-hmm. and and of course all the pressures that we read about today in Tahoe with growth and you know the impact of development and uh, that was all very, very early in the evolutionary stages there of, of becoming what it is now um, and, and the face of that community changing in the airport being a very visible sign of that. So uh, they, had, they had created position there to really start to uh, foster the relationship with the community and, and open communication channels uh, in a way that hadn't been done before.
0: Got you, and so you were you were charged with doing that. Uh, So, um, so ten, you know, over over ten years. um, Well, actually, what what like more like thirteen years there in Truckee. What what um, it was was about eleven. It was almost eleven
1: years I was there. Yeah, and so I, you know, as I mentioned, I I started in a in a job that at times I had I had uh, you know I I was a custodian. Right. Uh, Right. You know, if I, if I was on closing shift, I was cleaning bathrooms and, and, and left there uh, as the director of aviation. And so I spent time um, in the finance division there and worked um, with our airport finance director and would, you know, run payables and payroll and uh, work on the budget. And so I I was able to get into the business side of things there. Um, And then, you know, worked on the environmental side and the noise side, mm-hmm. community relations, um, several different aspects of of you know what is a a very multifunctional organization. Uh, whether an airport's big or small, you're going to have uh, some of those elements wrapped in, and you know that. And that's I think what's kept me in the industry for so long is that there's there's always challenges, there's always opportunities. Um, there's a lot of variety in the work, whether that's a, a big or a small airport, um, and it's an evolving industry. You know, yeah. I, I think of just the time I've been in it and whether it's changes in technology or travel, um, you know, the, the, the growth of airports and how that's changed, how they operate, there's, there's so many different interesting dynamics to it. So right. it's, uh, it's, it's been, it's been fun to, to be a part of it.
0: Right, so so if I was a student and I said what what was what was the key, uh, uh, Mr. Buman, what was the key to starting uh, starting at the bottom and maintenance and 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 cutting gra- uh, you know cutting the grass and shoveling the snow, and then going all the way up to the director of aviation, um, what 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 was the key to that?
1: Yeah, I think there's there's certainly a humility that comes with that in in knowing what it takes to get those things done um, and knowing why they're important, because there's, there's not a lot of things that happen on an airport that, that aren't important for reasons of safety or security or financial viability. Um, If the snow is plowed wrong, an aircraft could have a problem. It could cause an accident. You know, if the grass isn't tended properly, you have wildlife issues. I mean, there's, there's, there, there's a, there's a reason for that. And when you're doing it, you're, you're doing more than just the task. You're, you're fulfilling a bigger objective and a bigger mission. And, and I think now as a leader in a much larger organization, I always like to check in with the team to understand how they would describe the, why, why are we doing this? Do they understand the why? Mm -hmm. Um, And, and make sure that, that their work is valued through the lens of the importance of why. Right. and and that there you know there's no contribution that's too small to to not have a why gotcha gotcha
0: so what brought you to San Luis Obispo um did you did you feel like you had um you had reached a point um at chucky tahoe that um where where the growth opportunities maybe were not as uh or not as much what what was what was sure. the what was the moment yeah. that that led you to to look yeah. out yeah
1: yeah that that's a great question um you know, it, amazing place to live and raise a family. You know, my kids uh, went through their, their, uh, you know, preschool, to almost middle school years there. And, and, uh, and so there, there was a couple things. One was exactly that the timing of, if you're going to make a career move, thinking about your family, there's some times that are better than others to do that. And I was very, very much trying to, um, as much as one can align my career timelines with my family's timelines and get my kids into a place where ideally they could go through middle school and high school without having to move during that time. Right. There was, there was certainly the aspect of, of professional development growth and challenge. And I, I had spent a long time there. I felt like I had contributed uh, as well as learned from the organization. And, and there was, there was, there was a desire to see what else is out there. And obviously being from San Luis Obispo for many years before uh, knowing is a fabulous place to live and, and, and a great airport. I had, had, you know, flown in out of here as a pilot for many years when I was in college and years after and, and, and knew the airport as a user. Um, but as I got re-familiarized with it and looking at the job, there was, there's a couple big projects online that would be very interesting. And one of them was the new, the new airline terminal and they were, uh, Trying to get that project going. It had had been on the drawing board for a few years. Uh, I saw it as a a tremendous opportunity to uh, move this airport uh, in in a new direction.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, you know... um coming from my background as, as in in sport and, and recreation you know when i was working in um campus recreation if you're a part of building and, and opening well i shouldn't say building but opening a new a new building right um in the sport and the recreation world that that's something you hang your hat on right as a as a professional so i can imagine that um the experience of of being here for for seven years as the director of airports and opening up a brand new just um you know i've told you this before that i, I think it's such a spectacular um facility and um you know people who haven't Seen the? Haven't seen the old one. Don't really have a have a very clear picture of how spectacular it is compared to what mm-hmm. we had. And so, um, so yeah, can you talk a little bit about that experience and 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 that aspect of of hanging your hat on being the one that that um that led the opening of, of a new sure, building? Because sure. there's there's so much go that goes into that.
1: Yes, uh, jumping back to Tahoe for a minute, though, I do think it's worth right. mentioning that. There was some really interesting projects that, that I got to be a part of there with the team that, um, that were so aligned with uh, you know the RPTA world that I had, had been at Cal Poly with. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a nexus between open space preservation around the airport to mitigate noise and overflight um, and recreation. And so the airport over the years I was there, we partnered with all sorts of different community uh, and nonprofit organizations to acquire open space surrounding the airport for flight path protection, both for noise, but also for safety of of people on the ground. Um, But then we also started working with groups to develop access into areas that would be safe for folks to access, you know, well outside the operational area of the airfield, but Mm -hmm. we could put in hiking skiing trails Uh, There was a whole pump track area built out, Uh, some really fantastic recreational access and assets that were developed uh, as part of our efforts at the airport. And it was just this really cool interface between, you know, this large land-rich community asset and how you can build recreation into that. Um, And then on our community outreach front, we, we uh, we had a really great resource with a trailer with a mobile flight simulator in it. And we would take this out to farmers markets and different events and, and give people a chance to fly in and out of the airport. And, and for folks that maybe didn't understand the airport or took issue with uh, its impacts, suddenly as they're, they're flying a computer in and out of there and and starting to see things in a different light, uh, it opened communication and understanding in some pretty interesting ways. So, uh, you know, from the experience side there, there, I didn't talk much about that earlier, but. There was some great experience that we built into that uh, into that whole program.
0: I was going to say, Think, yeah, what a fabulous, yeah. what a fabulous <laughs> example. That's just so. That's amazing. I love it.
1: Yeah. Uh, so so then jumping to San Luis, um, you know the the project here um, was was just in its infancy. We had the architects on board, but um, worked with the team to take it through design. And then, and then funding, uh, which is is very complicated in the airport realm, with uh, essentially you know multiple sources of funding uh, supporting the project, both federal funds and local, and uh, you know matching funds, and you know a, a whole pile of different colors of money to to make it move forward. Um, work to get it funded, and then of course get through through contracting and construction. And uh, really pleased with obviously the product and what we ended up with, but also really proud of the process by which we built it. There's, um, building things is not easy. Uh, It it never is. And if you're a, if you're a small airport doing a big project and you don't, you don't have a team that builds things like that all the time um, it's even more difficult. You know, it's, it's amazing. San Francisco uh, builds incredible facilities and, and beautiful terminals and, and, and we have a team that that is what they do. And so they can replicate and innovate and build and grow. Um, at a smaller report, it's kind of a once-in-a-generation project. So you're you're coming into it um, with some skills and experience, but you're also learning as quickly as it's coming at you. So right. uh, learn by doing, as, as we right. like to say. Yeah. Uh, so that that was a great project. And really trying to think both in the design as well as once we occupied thinking about the passenger experience and what types of elements can we put in the facility, Uh, you know, outdoor space, music, color, light, um, scent. We actually added, we added scent into the into the facility there in our first year, which was, was a lot of fun to work with and uh, different elements that as the airport went through a very busy period and a lot of growth, Uh, both while we were building and then after it opened uh, really trying to keep the passenger experience front and center for what you know prior to having that terminal was was a really really poor passenger experience in a very old very undersized terminal that had had long been outgrown for what it was being used for it had just never been replaced
0: right right so now now we're we're up to your current position. Uh, so as the chief commercial officer. So tell us first of all, what does a chief commercial officer do? Because I don't think too many people have heard that term. What is a chief commercial yeah, officer? Yeah, it's
1: it's interesting. Um, let me let me do a little bit of airport 101 here, and I think that'll okay. help people yeah. understand a little bit more. So yeah. it's it's a corporate title. You would typically think of that more in the corporate realm. But uh, but airports uniquely are, uh, their ownership and governance is, is city, county, authority, typically in the United States, that's the owner and the operator of the airport. So we're, we're a division of government, um, but we are also enterprise government. So we're not taxpayer supported. We are, uh, our, our operating budget is, is our revenue. And so we we balance a budget against what we can make operating the airport. We we do receive federal assistance through the federal government, typically for capital programs to some extent, depending on what we're building. But the the operational side is, is typically locally funded. And so the commercial officer position, uh, San Francisco Large Hub Airport, uh, really looks to manage the revenue side of the business. And that includes uh, a few different departments we have there. It's It's all of our parking. We have a parking uh, team that manages all the garages and surface lots. We have uh, an aviation management department that uh, essentially is our uh, property management for all of the the terminal and airport space uh, used by the airlines or the service providers that is, is leased to them or permitted for their use. And then we have a revenue development management team that handles things like food and beverage, retail. Uh, display advertising, uh, you know the, the revenue generation on the concession side, and then we we also have a, a hotel team. We have a, a Grand Hyatt hotel that opened uh, about a year and a half ago uh, at SFO, and um, not all airports have those. That's uh, certainly the exception and not the rule. But we're we're really fortunate to have a just an absolutely beautiful hotel on the property as well that's airport owned, but it's, it's operated under a management agreement by Hyatt. Mm -hmm.
0: So as chief commercial officer, you oversee all of those divisions. Is that basically, is that basically correct?
1: Correct. Yeah.
0: Okay. Now, um, now obviously, uh, we are like, like I said, awkwardly at the beginning, we're, we're in a, in a, a space that, um, that none of us have ever experienced before. And, and, um, Coming out of a global pandemic, let's say, Um, and, um, you know, I've heard some forecasts that that with um, with all of us being cooped up for for as long as we've been cooped up, that that travel is going to bounce back pretty, pretty fast, that that is the expectation. so I hate to put you on the spot there and asking you (laughs) and asking you what you think. And obviously there's, um, there's some unknown, um, but, but, but I I do think that more than most of my guests, you know, you are uniquely positioned to, to maybe be able to answer that a little bit more knowledgeable uh, than, than most would. I mean, what, what do you see? What are you experiencing, um, in terms of, in terms of that?
1: Well, it, it, it has, um, you know, the, the pandemic has been a shock to the aviation system, unlike you know anything in the history of commercial aviation. And, and you, could, you could probably say that for a lot of industries, right? They they, yeah. you know, whether it was nine eleven or the you know the dot com crash. Pick, pick an event that had you know yeah. economic and cultural significance, and it. It, it, nothing com- compares. Even adding several of those <laughs> together to what we're right. experiencing at the moment. So in, in that sense, yeah. history isn't always a good predictor of the future. Uh, and in some cases, that's just fine because uh, this is so different in, in its in its constitution. But the um, the airport before the pandemic was, you know, it was like the seventh largest airport in the U.S., top oh. twenty globally, uh, fifty eight million passengers, a operating budget of like one point three billion dollars, uh, large, large airport, and and growing plans for more. Um, that that dramatically shifted, of course, with the pandemic, and as things uh, dropped off last year, we got down to uh, at the bottom. We were between like five and ten percent of our normal traffic. Yeah, and then things gained a little bit of ground, you know, late last summer and the fall. As it looked like there was some some positive recovery happening, and then of course the the wave that hit there in the late fall really really took us back to where we were. For December, January, February, um, but by the end of this February, getting into March, we're we're really starting to see the the signs of recovery um, to the to the point that we're on a, on a good day now, getting close to thirty percent of pre pandemic numbers mm-hmm. uh, on the passenger front. Uh, our our flight activity, the number of airplanes flying in and out. Is it didn't take as big of a hit. The airlines have maintained the schedule. They just haven't had people to put the seats. So when you you measure our our loss of of aircraft uh, and the seats in those aircraft, that's been less dramatic. We're we're down, I'd say anywhere about forty percent there. But mm-hmm. um, I'm optimistic. You know, I think the 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 signs of what we're seeing right now, as as you probably read in a lot of places, really indicate that that leisure travel is 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 on the way back. People are gaining confidence in, in traveling in the system, um, you know, with, with precautions, you know, with vaccination, with testing, if they, if they need to do that, um, that, that all seems to be moving in the right direction, business travel. Uh, there's, I'd say it's all over the map where that's going to go in terms of when it will come back and how quickly uh, I think we have to, we have to get people back into the workplace first. And I think, the indication we'll look for there is how, how the hybridization of work evolves. Mm -hmm. You know, is it, is it a large number of companies that end up in hybrid workplaces? Is that the, is that the the norm? Is it uh, certain industries? I think as that format and landscape of work becomes more well understood that will help us understand what the potential for business travel is. And what I mean by that is, is if you, if you, look at people who have moved uh, in the case of San Francisco out of the Bay area or even out of the state, um, but their employer may still be in that, in that region. You know, the the definition of a business trip could be coming back to the office every other week for a couple days for meetings, um, which is, is net growth, right? That's somebody who may have never flown uh, routinely as part of their work, but now they will because they're, they're living in Idaho or Mm -hmm. skiing in Colorado or wherever they chose to to, to move to, but they can be remote worker and, and have the ability to get back and forth. Um, I I remain optimistic about leisure travel, business travel. I, I would say I'm cautiously optimistic about it's going to come yeah. back. It's a matter of how fast and to what extent. Right. And then international, which is it's probably the, the most difficult not to untangle right now. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's hugely important for San Francisco. You know, we're, Uh, We have a significant amount of our traffic is international. We're a coastal airport, so we, uh, unlike a a Dallas, Chicago, Denver that connects a lot of domestic passengers, we connect domestic to international, but not a lot of domestic to domestic. So we're origin destination traffic primarily on the domestic side, and that that will come back too. But until there is some rationalization and harmonization about international standards for safe travel, that that whether they incorporate testing, vaccines, digital health passport, all the things that are circulating in the news, uh, until that becomes more clear, uh, I, I think international travel is going to have a, a slow recovery. And, you know, our our forecasts are showing that's, you know, 2024, 2025. Right. Uh, but, but difficult to tell, you know, if all that fell into place and in a more coherent way, it, it it may happen faster.
0: Right. Right. Well, I, I appreciate it. I'm sorry to put you on the spot there with that, but, um, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, I, I like hearing, I like hearing the O word <laughs> optimism. Right? Yeah. That's well,
1: I, I think so. I mean, the, the fundamental nature of, of, of people is we, we like to be together. Um most of us do anyway. <laughs> and, and and I think there there is there is some things about human nature that that you know over the centuries is as you know people moved from you know walking behind the wagon to you know riding in the car to riding on the train and the steamship and then the airplane. I mean, fundamentally modern society has always had mobility at its core. We have wanted to go places, we've wanted to see people. Um I don't think that's changed. I really don't. I think if you come back to the core of what makes people people, the desire to to explore and connect is still as much alive and and perhaps even more now that we've all been deprived of it for a while that we're yeah. like, Oh, I realize how right. how great that was. It just makes me want it
0: more. Yeah. I was going to say that deprivation gratification cycle that I, I think is going to, is going to be significant in the bounce back. And I think it's a lot, like you said, you know, p- people have to gain the confidence and, and the confidence is, is obviously continuing to be, um, to be gained and, and we can, we can only hope that, that, that it's going to continue. um, It's going to continue. We've done a
1: a tremendous uh, amount of that, you know, both as an industry airports and airlines, as well as just SFO specifically with, Mm -hmm. you know, signage and spacing and plexiglass and messaging and face Mm -hmm. masks. And I mean, the list goes on and on, you know, upgrading air purification and our our daily cleaning. And I mean, the industry Mm -hmm. has never, been cleaner in our facilities, mm-hmm. um, and our attention to detail in those. And I, I really hope that's one of the enduring changes of this. Obviously we'll, will in time undoubtedly bring back the density and travel just unfortunately as a matter of efficiency and moving people. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I really, I do hope that we can maintain the hygiene in our facilities that I think we've shown is now achievable and it is valued by our, our our guests uh, mm-hmm. i think there's a lot of industries that can benefit from that that you know I, i've said this before in other interviews but i i don't think anyone ever left a place and said gosh i wish it was dirtier <laughs>
0: <laughs> right. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's a, yeah, you know, it was wow. just too clean. Man, it could have been <laughs> dirtier. <laughs> yeah. You know, we were just, we, we were just traveling, uh, to, to see my mother-in-law. We stopped at this one, uh, we stopped at this one Starbucks and I swear the bathroom has continued to get dirtier wow. and dirtier in the, uh, <laughs> 10 years that we've been. And I, and I finally, I told, uh, I told Jerusha this last time i'm like all right i am not walking into that dirty (laughs) bathroom again
1: we're we're done we got to find a different starbucks (laughs) yes and and isn't that amazing how how you know sometimes those those things that Uh, may not seem like the biggest issue can become really important and so uh, you know the bay Area is a unique market we have we have three large airports up there and so Mm -hmm. unlike uh you know places in the u.s where you got one hometown airport in a sense there is some choice in the bay uh you know the airports have have some certainly some different airlines and 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 routes they offer but at the end of the day if you're looking for a flight to denver there's probably three places you can get it so (laughs) which one are you going to choose right
0: Right. That's a good point. Well, look, you know, Kevin, we we've reached this point and, um, I I thought I would, I thought I would do this to Cole. I thought I would go through the entire interview and make him listen to the entire thing before, uh, before we gave him a shout out. Um, but, uh, I think we probably have, um, made him hold on a little bit uh, too long now. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll let the cat out of the bag. So, so Kevin, in, in addition to being an alumni, um, is also a father of a, of a current student um, that, that many of our listeners will know, uh, Cole Buman. Uh, and uh, so uh, w- what's that been like now, coming around full circle as a, as a parent of a, pr- of a student in the major?
1: Oh, that's, that's a great question. You know, it's, it's been really fun to, you know, to watch his journey, but, but also to, to see him discover, uh, you know, to discover this, this whole realm of EIM. And, uh, you know, I, you know I, I, unlike, uh, I think, parents who, who maybe do a heavy sales pitch for, for their career or their school or their major, Right. Uh, I, I didn't take that approach with Cole. I think w- we had conversations about it, but it was never um, it was never with this idea that uh, I think this is what's best for you. Right. Uh, he, he found his way there. And I, I, uh, I think he's in, enjoying it. I think he's learning a lot. I think he's seeing uh, in, in some ways, much as I did that, that you know Cal Poly can open a tremendous amount of doors, both, just surely with the name of the school, but then what you're a part of, and the things that you've done, and experiences you've had, and and um, and and the amount of, of choices that lays out in front of you is really exciting. And I think he's he's seeing that more and more every day. Um, but I, it's it's been really fun to watch his growth and and his excitement about this, and it's fun to share things with him that I'm seeing uh, in, in my current role and in, in, you know, having a lot of areas that are very experienced focused, right. uh, and, and, whether that's, you know, new technology or a new way of thinking about old problems or, um, the way the pandemic's going to change this or that. And, mm-hmm. you know, being able to share information with him that I see and hope that that, uh, may assist him in a class or his his thinking about some of these current issues.
0: Right, right. Well, you know, I've told you before. Uh, I think you, I think he did a great job because Cole is a Cole is a spe- is a uh, a special kid, and really like him. He's one of my favorites, and so oh, uh, thank there, you. there there's that shout out, Cole. There you go.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we we like him too. He's a keeper. I uh, bet, uh, I and bet. you know, I, I, as I've I've said before, I I think we're the first parent student. You know uh, alumni with a, with a student following through I Dr. Bill and I have discussed this and uh-huh. he couldn't recall anyone else that's had a, had a child follow through. So I, I hope this continues. I think, you know, the yeah. next generation of, of many of us who have, have been through the program is now alive and well, and, yeah. and hopefully they're thinking about, uh, Taking a look at what their parents studied.
0: Yeah, I love that, and you know, I I was remiss to not also say that that um, Kevin is also a member of our advisory council, and just want to thank you for your for your service there and, and, and how much you've um, you've given back to the program. We really appreciate it. You know, when I think about what we're doing currently with um, experience industry management and experience design, and, and I just think about my experiences, you know, I, 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 um, I, I was a, a passenger in uh airline travel for the first time as a um as a six year old my my mom put me on the um put me and my sister who was um I think she was two at the time put us on a plane and um sent us up to Philadelphia to to visit my dad for the first time. And um you know I just think about the experience over the years and obviously you you mentioned mm-hmm. a couple of seminal moments, obviously nine eleven and and whatnot, but but I really have seen seen a difference where, where it used to just be, okay, this is, you you get here and it sucks. It's a terrible experience, Mm. but this is how you get from point A to point B (laughs) and, um, and, and it's transformed. And I think that's, that's really ultimately kind of what we're um, it, it relates a lot to what we're doing with experience design and, and how mm-hmm. everyone is trying to work to co-create experiences. And I think airports, sure. m- airports probably more so than a lot of a lot of diff- other places, have done that.
1: You know, and and I think for for many decades, airports kind of considered themselves a you know a means to an end. We're you know we're the the, the next generation of a train station, right? We're a place mm-hmm. that facilitates travel. You you come in, you show your ticket. You wait, get on a plane, and you leave. And 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 over the years, that thinking about, um, you know, the the time that you you have people in that airport, the types of things that you can offer. Uh, we have a museum in San Francisco at our yeah. airport that's just spectacular. Yeah. Um, I know. You know, it it has both an aviation history component and then just this incredible art museum, yeah. but, um, the types of things that you can offer to people to both enrich their travel experience, to reduce stress, to, you know, to bring uh, a moment to a part of a journey, right. Whether you're on vacation or on a business trip, uh, unfortunately we all often remember a lot of our bad experiences when we travel, which Sometimes it's a lot of fun to recall afterwards, but but at the same time, uh, you know, creating those equally uh, inspiring experiences and memorable or quality experiences, uh, dining, shopping, a great restaurant, a great bar, uh, whatever whatever fits in that environment. And every airport approaches this a little bit differently, given the, the size and the scale and the budget involved. Um, you look at the airport in Singapore and Changi, and it's, you know, it's, part amusement park and part shopping mall on the front end. And then there's an airport out in back. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I, I've, I've not been there, but I've studied it closely and it's uh-huh. it's phenomenal. I mean, the, the, oh. uh, the thinking around what is possible when you have a lot of people moving through a place um, with a little bit of time to spend and some money and the types of things that you can create and, and uh, enrich people's lives. It's, it's really cool. That's awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much for, for sharing with us uh, what you do, and um, I hope you will uh, help to to open up the world of, uh, of of airports to our to our students and uh, to understand that that's just one more uh, just one more area that they can um, that they can venture um, one more path uh, that they can take uh, along the way. And so, thank you so much, Kevin. Really appreciate your time today, and uh, yeah, thanks so much.
1: I've enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
0: appreciate it.